Welcome to Christian Life Church Podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. Good stuff. Um, so let me just pray and then we'll crack on. Um, Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for your presence here this morning. God, thank you that we don't need to strive or prove anything, but you're here, Jesus. And we just acknowledge right now, Jesus, that you're here. And so, God, as we um, come to like sharing the word together, I pray, Jesus, that you might speak and um, that there'd be such a weight of your presence. Amen. Amen. So we're carrying on uh, the Blessed series. It's the last one today. Um, last week, we looked at serving one another. Do you remember that? Yeah. And so this week is the last one, and it's sharing your story. Sharing your story. Do you ever look at people and think, I wonder what your story is? Do you ever do that? Yeah, you're all admitting you're quite nosy, aren't you really? <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. I do it too. Um, I'm often wondering, what's your story? What's going on with you? We're all fascinated by each other's stories. And so this subject that we're looking at today is this idea that when you start building relationship with someone, when you've prayed for someone and listened to them and ate with them and served them. Actually, the other way to bless them is by sharing your story with them. And when I say share your story, I don't mean what you had for dinner, although that is a great story. I mean the story of how Jesus Christ himself is transforming your life. And when I say That story, I'm not referring to 20 years ago, you gave your life to Jesus. Um, That's a great story, but it's not the only story of your life. I'm referring to what's happening today. What is Jesus doing in your life today? We can all look back and see countless times of how Jesus came through for us, how he never failed us. You can look back and you can see you know, God's hand of provision, his faithfulness. You've got those stories, right? But they're not just part of the past. There's something happening today. You carry a story today. And that is the story that people need to hear. If we were just referring to the story of how you gave your life to Jesus, that would be almost old news. But there is something happening today. If it was just sharing your story of how you gave your life to Jesus, mine wouldn't be very exciting because I was six years old and I wanted to go to heaven. (laughs) And that was how it started for me. There was nothing dramatic about it. Um, That was basically it. But often I look back and I see how it was from that moment that Jesus continually came and met me to make me more like himself. And that's the story of what he's doing in my life today. And so what is Jesus doing today? When you become um, a pastor, you have to make these vows at your ordination. It's terrifying. And one of the scariest vow that you have to make is that you have to be ready to preach in and out of season. They announce this in front of everyone. Do you promise to be ready to preach in and out of season in all circumstances to be ready to preach? And I was like, oh. Yes, Um, but it was really scary. And I remember feeling like, why am I so scared about this? And I look back and I realize that that is a vow that we should all be making. 
Our stories are our lives itself. And so the vow that we should be ready to preach in and out of season is a vow that we should be making as Christians every day. We vow that our lives will tell the story of Jesus. Are you with me? Good stuff. And so I want to explore with you what it looks like to share your story. And I just want to say at the start, if you're a Christian here today, you know the power of testimony, don't you? Yeah. You know that if someone got on the stage and shared a story of how God transformed their life, you know you would be moved by that. So I don't need to tell you that because you know the power of testimony. So when I'm talking about sharing your story, I don't mean sharing your story with other Christians because we already know that that's what we should be doing. I'm talking about sharing your story with the unbeliever. That's what I'm referring to. I'm referring to what it means to share your story with people that have never heard of Jesus before. And if they have, they've perhaps got a wrong impression of who he is. Um, And so to look at this, I want you to turn to Mark 5 for me. Mark 5. And it's quite a long passage. So I'm going to explain it. And then I'm going to pick out verses in each point so you know I'm not making it up. Um, (laughs) You can smile if you want, but no pressure. No pressure. (laughs) Okay. So in Mark 5, we read of how, well, Jesus has just calmed the storm and he's in this boat and he travels across the lake to this one particular region. And as he gets out of the boat, this man, which is described to have an impure spirit, runs to Jesus and falls at his feet. And this man had been bound by this impure spirit. We don't know how long for, but it describes him quite It's quite a dramatic story, you know, he's been bound in chains and um, it describes him as being demon-possessed. And so this man runs to Jesus, falls at Jesus' feet and Jesus casts out this impure spirit and casts it into a herd of pigs and the pigs run into the lake. Do you know that story? You familiar with the story? When people saw this man in his right mind, they were shocked and they were afraid. And they said to Jesus, please leave Jesus. They probably didn't say it like that. They were probably a bit more aggressive. And so they asked Jesus to leave the region. And so Jesus did leave. And this man that had been set free wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you stay. You've got to tell all these people. This is what the Lord has done and how he's had mercy on me. And it says that the people were amazed. Um, So that's the passage. My first point, and I'm just going to explore some of the things that I feel like God spoke to me about this week. But the first point is that the internal transformation of your life should impact your external reality. The internal transformation of your life, the very thing that's happened in your heart, the work of Jesus in your life should impact your external reality. It should impact the way you talk, the way you think, the things you do. The thing that's happening inside of you has to make its way outside of you. It should impact everything. In verse 3 to 6, it describes this man. It says, this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. 
No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So this is what the man was like before he met Jesus. Skip to verse 15. It says that when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. There was an obvious transformation that took place in this man's life and everyone noticed. Have you ever met someone and they've said, Jesus has given me so much joy, but the miserable 90% of the time. No, you've never met anyone like that. <laughs> Have you ever met anyone who said, I feel like Jesus has really dealt with my pride issue and all they talk about is themselves? <laughs> oh, I've met them, the great people. But what they say and how they live doesn't line up. There's an obvious contradiction between what they're claiming and how they're living. This man was unrecognisable. That's how deep the transformation was. He'd been set free and it impacted everything. The way he looked, the way he dressed, the way he spoke, it impacted everything. The internal transformation of his life came out in his external reality. We say Jesus is the giver of joy and yet we spend most of our time hating on life. We say Jesus loves everyone and yet we're the biggest gossips in the office. And we say Jesus has set me free and yet we walk around like we're captive. Just about that last bit. Um, I had a dream like a few years ago now and I was in this cage and um, the door was open. But I was in this cage, but the door was open. And um, I felt trapped, but the door was open. <laughs> and I remember waking up thinking, this is how we feel sometimes. Like we feel like we're held captive, but Jesus has set us free. All we have to do is walk it out. You know, we live like we're held captive, bound by chains, but Jesus has broken the chains. He set us free. We just need to walk it out. Our stories don't seem so convincing when we live in contradiction. Uh, when I was a young person at, um, going to sixth form, I used to get the bus. And um, there was this man, this one bus driver. I'm not being dramatic, but he was nasty. <laughs> like You might think I'm being dramatic, but let me ask you, who remembers their bus drivers from when they were... 17. Not many people. <laughs> um, no, he wasn't a very nice man. And so he had this really bad reputation. And he would shout to all the children and the young people for absolutely no reason. It was completely unnecessary, but he would always shout and raise his voice. And he had a really, like, like I said, a really bad reputation to the point where, you know, my friends would be like, oh, he scares me so much. Um, so he wasn't a very nice man. And just to make things 10 times worse, that man came to my church. <laughs> I'm not even joking. And so on a Sunday morning, he'd walk in and he'd be like, hello, you know, Jesus is Lord. He's given me a gift of joy. And then Monday to Friday when he's driving that bus, let me tell you right now, it didn't look like the gift of joy. <laughs> 
there is this obvious contradiction between what he claimed and how he lived his life. And, um, you know, I'm really passionate about the lost now. Like, obviously, you know, I want to see people saved. But back then, it was my everything. You know, I wasn't bothered about relationships or what I looked like or makeup. I was just bothered about my friends finding Jesus. And I used to have to ask myself, will it help them or hinder them to know that that man goes to my church? And I came to the conclusion it would, in fact, hinder them. (laughs) Because the Jesus that he was representing was not the Jesus of the Gospels. Because the way he lived his life did not represent my Jesus that I serve and worship day in, day out. It was totally different. And so I just pretended like I didn't know him because I was embarrassed. Because there was an obvious contradiction between the Jesus that I was talking about and the Jesus that they were seeing. Our lives should tell the story. It's great that we can use our words, but people should be looking at you going, what, what is it about you? What is it about you? Our lives should be a blessing to people and our stories should be obvious. The internal transformation of what Jesus has done in your life should show up in the way you behave, in the way you look, in the way you sound. It should be obvious. We were never called to blend in, you know. So many of us are trying to fit into culture. No, that is not the way we were called to live. So how do we do it? How do we let this internal transformation impacts our external reality. In verse six, it says that when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And I just come to the conclusion that the only way to do it is to stay in close proximity to Jesus himself. Just imagine it. Jesus gets out of the boat. He looks pretty ordinary, you know, he looks ordinary, stands on the shore and this man that had been bound by this impure spirit, we don't know how long, could be months, could be years, runs to Jesus and falls at his feet. And just like that, his story changes because of the power of God. I think we complicate just about everything. But really, if we want our lives to tell the story then you need to get in close proximity to Jesus. And maybe you're wondering, what is your story? You know the story of like 20 years ago, you gave your life to Jesus. You know those miracles of how he came through for you. But perhaps you're unaware of what Jesus is doing in your life today. Because he's doing something. And if you don't know what it is, you need to get close to Jesus. There's this bit, um, you remember last week I spoke about how John called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Do you remember that? There's this bit, it's the Last Supper. And um, I read it the other day, which is why I'm sharing with you. And it says that the disciple whom Jesus loved was leaning back against Jesus. And I was really moved by it. The disciple whom Jesus loved was leaning back against Jesus. And from that place of intimacy with his saviour, he asked him a question. And his question was, who's going to betray you, Jesus? And Jesus told him the answer. 
And I think if we came in close proximity to Jesus, he would show us things, he would tell us things, he'd whisper secrets to us, he'd reveal things to us. And in close proximity to him, you can't help but become like him. Because I don't believe you could ever stay close to Jesus and ever be the same. I think if you're staying close to Jesus, you're becoming like him. And so if you want the story of how Jesus has transformed your life to be obvious, you need to stay close to Jesus. Today, he's doing something in your life today. And I know that because it speaks in Romans 8 of how Jesus is interceding for us all the time. Because in Philippians 1, it speaks of how there's a work being carried on in our life. Because the Bible speaks of a God who doesn't sleep nor slumber. So God is actively working in your life today. We just need to ask him, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you're interceding for? Help me hear what you're praying. Help me hear what's going on, Jesus. Show me what my story is today. And we only learn that when we're in close proximity to Jesus. My second point is that it's not your job to dictate the outcome. Your job is not to dictate the outcome. It says in verse 15 to 17, When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. So just to clarify, Jesus has set this man free. There's some obvious transformation and everyone was afraid. And so they begged Jesus to leave the region. Um, This obvious transformation led people to push Jesus away. And we ask, why? Why did that happen? And I think it's because the people had become familiar to a certain way of life. They'd become familiar with this man screaming in the night. They'd become familiar with knowing not to go where that man is. They'd become familiar with it. They were more afraid of a free man than a possessed one. Um, This world is accustomed to seeing people behave in certain ways. The world is unfamiliar with joy, unfamiliar with peace, unfamiliar with hope, and ultimately it's unfamiliar with the power of God. I have a few friends that are Christians, um, and two of them um, I've walked with for 10 years now. I always imagined they'd be you know, passionate lovers of Jesus by now, but it's not worked out the way I wanted it to work. Um, but I've been friends with them for like 10 years. And um, they would probably call themselves atheists. You know, they're just not. To them, if God was real, they don't want to know him. It's awful, it, you know, but that's that's where they're at. And... Um, Any opportunity I have, you know, I take it with both hands, but it doesn't come around often. And, you know, 
I just feel like I'm just, I'm their friend, you know, I've got to be their friend. And I want to be their friend. And um, for those of you that don't know, last year, God like did a miracle in my life. Um, I won't go into the details because I'm pretty sure I've told you before, but um, I was buying a house and I needed a certain amount of money. And I said to God, I need it, God. And half an hour later, God came through for me. And it was just this remarkable story of the provision of God. And there's no way you can look at that story and think that was man-made. It's one of those stories that leaves you going, that was God. We all have those, don't we? Yeah. And um, I'd been sharing that, you know, a few times with people. And I met these two girls shortly after that had happened. And an opportunity came up. And they literally said to me, how did you afford a house like that? And I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Get ready. Um, so I shared the story with them. And um, it was the most awkward conversation I've ever had, ever. <laughs> uh, I'm not joking. I told the story and then they just sat there uncomfortable and unsettled and extremely awkward. And I was like, okay, what shall we offer tea? <laughs> uh, but they were uncomfortable and unsettled because they were trying to work out the logic behind the story. You know, for them, they were going, okay, no, what's the real reason? Like, that can't be right. Let me figure out what the real reason is. I could see it. They were trying to work it out. So they were unsettled because they couldn't work it out. And it made them uncomfortable. And that's because they've not seen the power of God. And for us, if you know Jesus today, you're familiar with those stories. You know, you're nodding along like, yeah, I remember those stories in my own life of the power of God. But the world isn't used to seeing it. And so for them, they were uncomfortable. But it was never my job to dictate how they were going to respond. It was my job to take the opportunity. And I know, I know that when they eventually encounter Jesus, I know that they will look back and they will see, I remember that story of the power of God. I know that that will happen. I believe it. I've got to believe that, right? But it was never my job to dictate the outcome. And Jesus knew that what was going to happen to this man would leave Jesus being like, you know, cast out from the region. But he went and he set him free anyway. You know, he, he took this opportunity and he went, and he went there specifically for this man to set this man free. And it was never his job to dictate the rest of the outcome. He just went to set this man free because that is who Jesus is. Um, fast forward to December last year, and I shared the same story with another friend who isn't a Christian. And she was blown away. And it opened conversations all about God. And today she would call herself a Christian. There is power in story. And our job is not to dictate the outcome. And when you're in close proximity to Jesus, and this is important, I'm not saying you should share your story with everyone. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. But when you're in close proximity to Jesus, you will see opportunity to share your story. You will hear it. You'll see him go, okay, now's a good time, and you'll take it. When you're in close proximity to Jesus, he'll open up doors for you to share what God is doing, only in proximity to Jesus. Um, my third and final point is that the aim of your story 
is to point to the greater story. Uh, Verse 18 to 20. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Uh, This region that Jesus went to was known for being quite pagan. So it's actively against Jewish law. And so people wouldn't typically go there. You know, it's known for being quite corrupt and dark. And here Jesus was traveling specifically to this region to bring a message of love and salvation. And how did he do it? He set one man free and commissioned him to go and tell the rest. He set one man free and it was a catalyst for other people. And the effect of this one encounter had such a profound impact on the rest of the region. There's this really amazing quote, and it says, The function of freedom is to free someone else. The function of freedom is to free someone else. And our stories are not just our stories, but they're keys to unlocking someone else's. Hmm. This man was the one to experience freedom. Jesus had set him free from darkness. He'd experienced it. He'd been transformed by the power of Jesus. And therefore, he was the one commissioned by God to go and tell others of his works and of his mercy. He was the one commissioned by God. Jesus came specifically for him and then told him to go and tell the rest. What's interesting is that the people in your life aren't all, it's not by chance or coincidence, it's ordained by God. And perhaps the people that are in your life, God's placed there because the story of God at your life is the story that they need to hear. Perhaps the thing that Jesus is doing in your life is the thing that they need to hear. It's like, oh, I'll share this actually. Part of my story is that Jesus really dealt with my shame. I don't know why I experienced it in such great measure, but I did. (laughs) And so because he's dealt, I feel like he's dealt with that in my life. When I'm around people and I sense the same sort of weight of what I experienced, I'm able to be like, but Jesus died so you won't have to carry that, you know? But when you're aware of what Jesus is doing in your life, you're able to go and to release something in someone else's. Maybe God's dealing with fear in your life. Okay, if you're aware of that, you'll start to see he's placing people around you that might have an issue with fear. And maybe if you just went and said, here, this is what I've experienced of God in my life. This is who he is. This is what he's done. Maybe it would unlock something in their story. It's a catalyst effect. When you're aware of what you're doing and what God's doing, sorry, in your life, you're able to best see how he might work through you to unlock something in someone else. And in all of this, our job is not to talk about ourselves. 
or not to share the story of you, but to share the story of Jesus. Verse 19, Jesus is pretty clear. He says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Your story should always be about Jesus. The story that you think you have of yourself might be great, but it's not as great as the story of Jesus. And if we make it about ourselves, we've missed the point entirely. The story of you doesn't change people, but the story of Jesus does. And I believe that wholeheartedly, that the story of Jesus changes people. And so whatever your story is today, make sure that it points to Jesus, the one who sets the captives free, heals the sick, restores the brokenhearted. Make sure your story points to Jesus, the real Jesus, the risen saviour. This man's story pointed to the greatest story ever told, and that is how God triumphs over darkness. That's what this story did. It pointed to the greatest story. How God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so today, let me ask you, what is Jesus doing in your life today? And ask him, how can I use the thing that you've got for me to bless someone else? And when you share your story, make sure it speaks only of the goodness of God. Make sure it speaks only of how much he's done for you, how he's done stuff through you. Make sure it points to Jesus. Nobody needs to hear anything else. That is the most important thing. If you want to bless people, if you want to lead people to Jesus, make sure your story points to Jesus. Amen. (laughs) So when you're in close proximity to Jesus, you can best see how and when to share your story. Simon uses this phrase about being a treasure hunter. You've heard him say that before, right? He speaks about being a treasure hunter. And when you're walking with Jesus, he'll show you and reveal to you where you should be sharing your story and who with. And I just want to end by sharing with you something that's in Revelation 12, 11. It speaks of the end time church. And it says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And there's two keys to overcoming the works of the enemy. And it's total dependency on the blood of the lamb. And it's a confidence in the word of their testimony. And today, there's a story at work in your life. You need to find out what it is. And you need to be confident in sharing that with people. And trust that God will do the rest. Why don't we stand together? Yeah, Jesus, we just come before you, God, and we say thank you that you're doing something in our life. We don't take it for granted, God, but we say thank you that even now, Jesus, you're making us more like you, and I say thank you, God. And I pray that this week, that as we go, that we would see opportunity to share the thing that you're doing in our life, God, that we would take that seriously, that we wouldn't hold back. And right now, God, I pray for like a gift of courage to fill our hearts, Um, that we might not shy away, but speak confidently of who you are, Jesus, and 
what you can do. God, I pray that our whole lives would be a testament to the risen Saviour. May our whole lives point to you, Jesus. Let it not just be words. Let it just be us, God. I pray that people would look at the church and be like, wow, there's something about them. Yeah, God, I ask that our lives would point to you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And be blessed, church. Have a nice week. And yeah, see you next week.